Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Simplifying the Migration of IoT Applications to AWS IoT. My name is Jared Sharfin, Senior Product Manager with AWS IoT Core, and with me is Max Jindal, Senior Software Development Engineer for AWS IoT Core. So to start out, I'd just like to quickly review the, the agenda for this presentation. Uh, we'll start off by diving into some of the challenges that customers face when building applications at the scale of IoT. Uh, we'll then dive into how AWS IoT Core is helping customers address these challenges uh, with a new feature called Configurable Endpoints. And finally, we'll see a live demo of Configurable Endpoints um, working in action to solve a real-world problem. Uh, and then at the end, Max and I will make sure to stick around for a couple minutes to answer any questions that you guys may have about Configurable Endpoints. So let's kick it off by looking at some of the challenges that customers commonly run into when building IoT applications. So the world of IoT is vast and diverse. And IoT actually spans many industries, ranging from healthcare to agriculture, with use cases like precision agriculture and connected combines, connected factories, connected vehicles, smart cities, oil and gas. Pretty much any industry that you can imagine is touched by IoT. And in fact, the world of IoT is continuing to grow bigger and bigger. And this is because the cost of connecting devices are continuing to come down. Um, we see the advent of new uh, communication protocols like MBIoT and LoRaWAN, making it cheaper than ever to connect your devices to the internet. Uh, and in addition, devices themselves are becoming cheaper than ever to build. So you have fully integrated systems on a chip with CPU, Wi-Fi modules, security libraries, everything that you need costing single digit dollars. Uh, in addition, these new communication protocols and these new systems on a chip are consuming less and less power. So you can put smaller batteries on your devices, further reducing the bomb cost to build them. And as a result, we're seeing the number of connected devices skyrocket, with analysts estimating that there are tens of billions of devices connected today. But what customers are finding is that building IoT applications is actually a little bit different than building a typical web application. Uh, for one, traditional um, web communication paradigms, things like uh, client-server, request-response-style messaging paradigms don't necessarily fit ide uh, ideally with IoT. Uh, for instance, in a, in a client-server model, clients are, are creating requests, servers are serving these requests, but servers are unable to send unsolicited messages down to a client. And, and this doesn't really work that well for IoT when you may want to have your devices sending telemetry messages to your backend application, but you also want the backend application to be able to issue command messages down to your devices whenever it wants. Uh, in addition, IoT applications often require the use of lightweight protocols, so protocols lighter than HTTP, things like MQTT. And this could be because your devices are resource constrained, or it could be because they're operating on constrained networks or, or networks where you're actually paying for bandwidth, uh, things like cellular networks. And finally, IoT applications need to be able to handle massive scale, often handling hundreds of thousands or even millions of concurrently connected devices. And these requirements are presenting some new and interesting scaling challenges. Uh, the first is load balancing. So if you're using these bi-directional communication protocols, uh, they often require persistent connections. Uh, and these connections might last for hours, days, weeks. And during the duration of the connection, um, these devices are pinned to a backend host on your application. So how do you load balance this? Um, the second is horizontal scaling. 
Uh, these stateful protocols like MQTT have complicated data structures for managing all the routing information and connection state. How do you shard this horizontally and scale your fleet horizontally to manage the growing loads? And finally, how do you do all of this at scale? As your device fleet grows to hundreds of thousands or even millions of devices, how do you maintain performance of your application? So what we often see is that customers start out with, with an architecture that looks something like this, where they have some self-managed connectivity and messaging layer, often um, something like an off-the-shelf message broker, uh, that's taking all the device connections and then fanning the uh, device traffic out to the appropriate uh, application component. And really, this top part, this is kind of like the secret sauce of your application. This is where all of the domain-specific application logic, like what makes your IoT application an oil and gas well monitor, or what makes it NASA tracking solution. All of this is kind of the top layer application components. But what we're seeing is that as device traffic grows, um, the connectivity and messaging layer is, is, is actually the hardest part to scale, and where customers are ending up spending most of their engineering time and effort. And this really kind of detracts from allowing customers to be able to focus on what makes their application unique. Uh, and, and this connectivity and messaging layer has to work, and it has to work reliably at scale. So this kind of undifferentiated heavy lifting is ripe for offload to an AWS managed service like AWS IoT Core. And in fact, IoT Core has solved a lot of these scaling challenges that we mentioned earlier. So the need for bi-directional event-driven communication, IoT Core offers this as a fully managed service, meaning no provisioning of capacity, no scaling or managing any infrastructure. Um, the use of lightweight protocols. So AWS IoT Core supports MQTT 3.1.1, a PubSub protocol that's an ISO standard for IoT communication, and a large volume of messages and connections. Totally check. IoT Core is, is capable of handling tens of millions of concurrent device connections with hundreds of thousands of messages per second per account. But there's still a problem. How do, you, how do you take your connectivity messaging infrastructure and move it over to IoT Core while maintaining a consistent interface for your devices to communicate? And this is a problem because it's much simpler to update backend application software than it is to update device-side software, uh, for instance, to handle a new interface, like a new endpoint or a new, a new authentication mechanism. And the reason for this is Devices, first of all, may not be on when you want to update them. They might be hard to reach. They might not have OTA update capabilities. Or in the case of a multi-tenant application, uh, you might not even control the end devices. It might be your customers, and you'll have to ask them to opt into a software update. Uh, really, this gets at the root of the problem, which is it would be ideal if the migration of your messaging and connectivity to uh, infrastructure to AWS IoT Core was totally transparent to end devices. Unfortunately, IoT Core now has a solution for this. I'd like to introduce you to a new feature called configurable endpoints. So configurable endpoints enable you to kind of customize the behavior of your IoT Core endpoints. So this means adding things like a custom domain to ensure that your devices can continue to connect to the same fully qualified domain name that they were using previously, and attaching a custom authorizer to your endpoints to enable you to handle whatever kind of authorization and authentication scheme you were using before. So these two configuration options are available today. And also in the near future, we will enable certain TLS configurations on your endpoint. So this would be things like um, minimum TLS version to support or which Cypher suites to support. For instance, if you wanted to ensure that only elliptic curve Cypher suites could be used on your endpoints. Or also, even things like 
enabling and disabling certain uh, TLS extensions, for instance, things like maximum fragment length negotiation. And what configurable endpoints really enables you to do is maintain this consistent interface for your devices as you transfer your infrastructure to IoT Core. So in this example, maybe devices were using uh, MQTT username and password to connect, and they're connecting to uh, broker endpoint iot.foodcorp.com. After the migration, they can continue to use this same endpoint, same authorization and authentication scheme. Migration is totally transparent to devices, ideally requiring no device software updates. So let's dive in a little bit to see how this works. And actually, there's only a couple steps to set it up. It's pretty quick end to end, and, and we'll go through each of these steps. So the first step is really to just ensure that your devices are capable of using the requisite TLS extensions to communicate with a configurable endpoint. Uh, namely, they'll need to use SNI, server name indication, uh, and ALPN if you're using a custom authorizer. So this is application layer protocol negotiation. Um, and just we'll have a quick recap of what these two extensions do. So server name indication uh, is a standard TLS extension. It's defined in RFC 6066. And it's really designed to let clients uh, communicate to the server what host name they're trying to reach. So as, as the device connection request is going through various layers of DNS translation, so you can see in this example, going from iot.foodcorp.com to a customer's uh, Amazon-issued AWS IoT Core endpoint, and ultimately to the IP address of our service, um, the, IoT Core is still able to recover the original host name that the device is trying to reach. And what this enables us to do is ensure that we are serving the proper server certificate for your custom domain. Uh, so the second extension I mentioned was applica application layer protocol negotiation. And what this does is, during the TLS connection, it enables the device to signal to IoT Core which application layer protocol it, it's going to be using uh, to communicate and enables IoT Core um, to queue up the proper, uh, the proper authentication scheme for that application layer protocol. So you can see in this example, in the first example, the device says, I'll be using HTTPS, so we know to queue up uh, the SIGV4 authentication path. Uh, or alternatively, a device could say, I'm going to be using MQTT, uh, and as, as a result, we'll delegate to your custom authorizer uh, for use in parsing the MQTT username and password uh, to authenticate. So, you want to ensure that your devices are capable of using both of these TLS extensions. And I'd like to point out that uh, if your devices are using our V2 device SDKs, um, those SDKs have support for these two extensions built in by default. But if you're not doing that and you want to just ensure that your devices are capable of using these extensions, uh, you can actually do that uh, pretty easily with a quick packet capture. So all you'd have to do is uh, run a packet capture, put on an SSL filter, look for the client hello message in the TLS handshake, uh, and then just look for these various extensions. So in the case of server name indication, I know it's a little bit difficult to see, but you can see highlighted here, we found this extension. Device seems to be, looks like trying to communicate to the uh, uh, SNS service. Uh, same thing goes for ALPN. You can also check this with a quick packet capture the same exact way. Uh, here you'll just be looking for the application layer protocol negotiation extension. Uh, and in this case, it looks like the protocol value that it sent was HTTP 1.1. So once that's all set and you've ensured that your devices are capable of using the requisite TLS extensions, uh, you can go ahead and register your custom domain and the associated server certificate in AWS Certificate Manager. So you can either import your own certificate into Certificate Manager or you can request that uh, 
AWS Certificate Manager generate a certificate for you. Uh, in either case, uh, the second step will be that ACM will try to do a domain ownership validation just to ensure that you actually own the domain that you're uh, requesting or importing a certificate for. And there's two, two options for this. Um, the first is what's called email validation. So this is basically ACM will send an email to the postmaster uh, email address on, on the domain, and, and it'll have some kind of confirmation message that you click. Uh, and the second and kind of easier and more preferred method is what's called DNS validation. Um, so in, in this path, uh, ACM will give you basically a random uh, subdomain on the domain that you're trying to register, have you set up a CNAME record uh, with your DNS provider to another random string .acmvalidation.com, and then after a couple of seconds, they'll try to send a payload to uh, this random subdomain that they gave you and ensure that they're actually able to receive it on this other uh, ACM validation endpoint. And by that mechanism, by ensuring basically that you control the DNS records for that domain, they validate that you own the domain. So once you have your, your, your certificate all registered and your domain set up, uh, you can go ahead and create a custom authorizer uh, that you can use, and, and this is in the case that you'd like to do something like MQTT username and password auth or some other uh, authentication scheme other than TLS mutual auth. So to do this, uh, you'll just create your uh, Lambda function that you'll be using as your authorizer. Then you'll, you'll attach it to a custom authorizer object. Uh, and I'd like to point out that when you're using custom authorizers with configurable endpoints, um, we actually have a little bit of enhanced functionality. So you'll no longer need to have your auth authorization or authentication token uh, signed by a private key. And this is because, obviously, in like, the case of a username and password, the password is not going to be signed by any key. And so we, we enable you to set up your authorizer with this signing disabled parameter. So that means you'll be sending some kind of uh, credentials that are not, that are not signed by any, any key that the authorizer has. So once your, once your authorizer is set up, uh, as a final step, just ensure that you are granting Lambda invocation uh, permissions to IoT Core. So basically, you'll just, you, you'll just run this Lambda command to add permissions for the IoT service principle. And all this does is ensure that IoT Core is able to call your Lambda on your behalf uh, when you're trying to connect new devices or when your devices are trying to send messages. And one other thing I'd like to point out about uh, custom authorizers is I, I mentioned briefly that when you are using custom authorizers in combination with configurable endpoints, there's a little bit of enhanced functionality. So you can kind of see that here. Uh, previously, when you were using custom authorizers, the only um, context that your Lambda would receive in the triggering event from IoT Core was this token, the, uh, the element in blue up here. But now, with custom authorizers for configurable endpoints, you'll receive a much richer set of, um, of connection context information from which you can make your authorization and authentication decisions. So you'll get all this kind of rich protocol data. So at the TLS layer, you'll be getting uh, information on the server name indication string that the device was sending. Uh, if you are using um, HTTP Publish or MQTT over WebSocket, you'll also get some of the information from the HTTP headers. So you'll get all the header information. You'll also get actually all the query parameters. So now you can embed your credentials in either a custom header or a custom query parameter. And in the case that you're using uh, an MQTT-based connection, so this is MQTT over TLS or MQTT over WebSockets, you'll also get additional context from the MQTT connect message. So you'll be getting the username field, the password field, as well as the client ID. 
Uh, and you can use any, any and all of this to make your authorization and authentication decisions. Uh, and as previously with custom authorizers, your Lambda just needs to return a valid IoT policy document. So once you have your authorizer all set up and your domain all registered, you can go ahead and create this domain configuration object. So this is the configurable endpoint. And to do this, we've introduced a new API that's called Create Domain Configuration. Uh, and it just has, just has a couple little uh, attributes that you need to pass. Um, the first is a configuration name. So this is just like a handy label by which you can remember which configuration this is and, and what it's doing. Um, then uh, the domain name that uh, your devices will use to connect on this endpoint. So um, you can either leave this blank and have us generate an additional um, IoT core endpoint for you, or this is also where you could put in your custom domain. Uh, and if you're putting in a custom domain, you also have to put in the ARN of the uh, certificate that you registered in ACM. Additionally, optionally, you can attach your custom authorizer here. So you'll just put in your authorizer name from the authorizer that you uh, created in step two. Uh, and this will be the default authorizer for your endpoint. Uh, you can optionally uh, enable uh, authorizer override. And what this lets you do is uh, enable the device to specify an alternate uh, authorizer that it would like to use other than the default authorizer. And finally, you'll put in the service type. So uh, this is actually kind of reserved for future use. Um, in the future, you'll be able to create configurable endpoints for uh, your IoT data endpoint, your IoT credentials provider endpoint, and your IoT jobs endpoint. Uh, for, the, for the beta, we, we actually just support your IoT data endpoint. So this is the, the endpoint that your devices um, would connect to, to to send like telemetry messages and things of that nature. So the final step uh, is once you've you set up your domain configuration, uh, you can set up now your DNS records that will map your custom domain to your IoT core endpoint and allow you to send traffic on the custom domain to the IoT core service. Um, so the important thing to point out here is you'll need to make sure that you are CNaming to a new endpoint type that's called data beta. And you can get your, your beta endpoint uh, by just running the standard AWS uh, IoT Describe endpoint API and running this with an endpoint type of IoT data beta. So this will generate you this beta endpoint, and you can immediately recognize that because the first subdomain will end with a hyphen beta. So just ensure that you're, you're setting up your CNAME record uh, to forward traffic to uh, a beta endpoint, and that will allow you to use your configurable endpoint. Uh, so the final step is once everything is set up, uh, just make sure your device is all configured and go ahead and connect them to your configurable endpoint and you should be receiving traffic in IoT Core. So now we'll actually go to a live demo to show you how this works in, in practice. Uh, and the scenario that we have set up here is that we have a fleet of devices that are connecting to our self-hosted broker uh, on an endpoint, in this case, mqtt.awsiotrocks.com. Uh, and these devices want to authenticate to this broker with username and password. Uh, and we want to be able to migrate uh, this kind of messaging and connectivity portion of our application to IoT Core without changing this interface for devices. Uh, so we'll just run a quick demo right now. Sorry, computer just went to sleep. So the first thing I'd like to show you is the first step, which is actually uh, registering our certificate in ACM. 
So if I just go to the certificate manager uh, console, we'll see that I have a couple certificates registered. And uh, the first certificate I have is actually a star certificate on the awsiotrocks.com domain. So this will be valid for all like, first level subdomains of uh, awsiotrocks.com. And we can see that the certificate has been issued uh, and that it's in use, which means that IoT Core like, or some, some other AWS service is actually picking up this certificate. So, okay, so that looks totally good to go. Uh, the next thing I'd like to show you is our Lambda for our custom authorizer. So here, um, we've set up this cool uh, Node.js reInvent demo uh, Lambda. And what this is doing is actually looking, uh, for, looking in this um, JSON object that we're passing as the event trigger to Lambda, picking out the username and password field, uh, Base64 decoding the password, and looking for a password called test. Uh, if it finds a password called test, it'll issue a star star policy. Otherwise, it'll issue a or allow star star. Otherwise, it'll issue a deny star star policy. Um, so we can actually uh, look at this really quick. We have this test event configured. This test event is just sending the same um, JSON blob I showed you earlier with all this rich protocol data information. Uh, and it's in the password, this is just base64 encoded string tech, uh, test. Um, so we'll pass this. We'll run a quick test with our Lambda. We'll see what it did. Cool. It generated a star star policy allowing all IoT core operations. So this looks good to go. Uh, we'll attach this Lambda to our um, custom authorizer. So if we actually look, um, we have a couple, it looks like I have a couple authorizers configured. Um, reInvent demo authorizer, this is the one I'd want to use. So we'll just take a closer look at what's actually uh, in here. So we can see that uh, I've attached the uh, ARN of my Lambda that I just showed you. Uh, and the other thing I'd like to point out is that signing disabled is set to true. So this is what I was mentioning before. Since we want to use this authorizer for uh, MQTT username and password authentication, there's not going to be any kind of like token signature or any kind of signature at all on the, uh, on the password. So we don't want any signing. So we've set that to uh, disabled is true. So the next thing is to set up our, uh, set up our domain configuration. So if we look, we have a couple of domain configurations uh, all set up. Actually, by default, uh, IoT Core has generated domain configurations for an IoT credential provider endpoint, a data endpoint, and a jobs endpoint. And then I have a couple of custom ones set up. So I have this, one, this, um, this domain configuration named reInvent set up. So this is our, our demo configuration. So we'll take a closer look at what, what's actually in that one. Okay, so here we can see that I've given it name reInvent, uh, and it's set up to uh, set up to use a uh, fully qualified domain name mqtt.awsiotrocks.com. So this was previously uh, the endpoint of our self-hosted broker. Uh, in addition, uh, we've attached our server certificate that we registered in AWS Certificate Manager. This is just the ARN of our certificate. Uh, we've also attached our custom authorizer. Uh, we don't have any. Uh, Authorizer override, so we'll just be using the default authorizer in this case when devices connect. Uh, our domain configuration has been enabled. It's for our, our uh, data endpoint, and this is using a custom domain, not an IoT core generated domain.
Uh, so as a final kind of sanity check before we go ahead and uh, connect our devices, uh, we'll just do a quick, uh, a quick dig on, uh, on our uh, domain name and make sure that all the uh, DNS records are, are set up properly. So we do this. OK, awesome. Looks like I can see a CNAME record. Um, we're, we're actually CNAMing to uh, our beta endpoint. So this looks like it should be, should be good to go. And just actually as one last sanity check, just to make sure, make sure everything is, is working properly. And actually, because it can take up to 15 minutes from when you create your domain configuration for your server certificate to flow in through, um, from ACM to IoT Core, you'll just want to wait a few minutes and then maybe just run something like an S client command uh, to make sure that you're getting the, uh, the appropriate server certificate on your endpoint. So in this case, we'll, we'll connect to um, uh, mqtt.awsiotcorerocks.com. Uh, with the show certs flag, which just means we'll get the certificate chain that our endpoint is vending. Uh, we'll also with this server name flag, which just sends the uh, server name indication extension. And we've set it to be the same as the uh, fully qualified domain name that we're trying to connect to. So if we do this, OK, well, we got a certificate chain. So that's a, that's a good start. Uh, and if we kind of traverse up the chain, uh, so it's starting at the bottom is the root. Uh, the top will actually be the leaf certificate or the, the server certificate. Um, we can see, okay, awesome. The server certificate that we're getting has a common name, star.awsoutrocks.com. This is exactly the certificate that we registered uh, in, in um, ACM. And you can see, since, this was actually, since we actually didn't import a certificate, we had ACM generate a certificate for us. Uh, it's using the Amazon, uh, the Amazon CA, which is called Amazon Trust Services. Uh, so this is signed by Amazon Root CA1, which is in turn, ultimately uh, cross-signed by Starfield, which is another big CA. Uh, and this is just important because if you're having uh, ACM generate your certificates, uh, that means you'll want to use uh, Amazon Root CA1 as the Root CA on your devices when you're connecting to your custom domain. So this looks all good. Let's, uh, let's give it a whirl. Um, so we just have a simple Python script that's using our uh, Python v2 device SDK setup. And so what the script is doing is it's taking an endpoint argument. So we've put in what was previously our self-managed broker endpoint. Uh, we've uh, given Amazon Root CA1 to validate the server cert. Uh, we are connecting on port 443. We're sending our ALPN string set as MQTT. So IoT Core knows that we'd like to use MQTT username and password off, and we'll apply our custom authorizer. Uh, and finally, we've set the user MQTT username and password to be test test. So this should, if you remember from our Lambda, generate a star star policy that allows us to do anything. Uh, and the, the, the thing I'd like to point out is you'll note that we're not sending any client cert here. So we're actually, we're, we're the only kind of um, authorization credentials that we have are the MQTT username and password. So actually, really quick, uh, just to make sure that I'm not trying to fool you, uh, we'll go to IoT Core. We'll just go to the uh, like test uh, MQTT client that they have. And we will subscribe to Pound. So this should just let us see all the traffic that's flowing through to the broker. Um, so let's give this a whirl, run it. OK, looks like it's sending a couple messages with the payload, hello world, on topic sample test. Let's see what we got. Uh, and it's actually, you can see, it's connecting to uh, our custom domain, not an IoT core domain. And let's see what we got. Fingers crossed. All right, awesome. It looks like we're actually receiving the messages in IoT Core uh, that we sent on this custom domain. 
so everything looks like it's working. Uh, you've seen an end-to-end -end demo now that's using a custom domain with username and password off. Uh, and actually, that kind of uh, that concludes our demo. Um, so I'll flip it back really quick. Um, at this point, uh, I'd like to uh, open it up to questions, and uh, this kind of this concludes our presentation. So thank you all for uh, showing up. And uh, Max and I, as I mentioned, we'll, we'll stick around for a couple minutes to uh, answer any questions that you might have. <laughs>